Welcome back to the David Glenn Show. Appreciate Eric Montross for dropping by on college basketball. Ryan McGee on early NFL entries. The latest Alabama quarterback, Tua Tungavailoa, just this past hour said he is opting out of his senior season with the Crimson Tide and into likely high first round status in the NFL draft. There are both amazing numbers and some injury question marks surrounding Tua. But Mel Kuyper has him number three overall on his big board. And if you need a quarterback, Panthers at number seven. Others need a QB as well. The Cam Newton situation is floating out there as an uncertainty until he is fully healthy. Big news in college football with Tua and many of his teammates and many others around college football leaping early to the next level. Alabama, of course, out of the playoff picture, not invited for the first time in the history of the college football playoff, which is six years old now. Tide made it the first five years, not involved this time. It will be Clemson against LSU in the battle of of Tigers, Ryan McGee of ESPN live in about 60 minutes on all things college football, including next Monday's national championship matchup and which has the real Death Valley, LSU or Clemson. As we come to your calls, what was the best thing you saw? What was the worst thing you saw anywhere in the sports universe and what made it that? UNC basketball, NC State basketball, the Saints and the Patriots getting bounced early at home in both cases, as Drew Brees is about to turn 41 and Tom Brady has already turned 42, Saints and Patriots also getting worst of the weekend votes. In the NFL, it's Deshaun Watson and the Texans. They beat the Bills. It's Derrick Henry and the Titans. They went to Foxborough and beat the Patriots. It's Russell Wilson, DJ Metcalf, Marshawn Lynch, and Seattle going to Philly and eliminating the Eagles. And it's Dalvin Cook, Kirk Cousins, Kyle Rudolph, and Minnesota going to New Orleans and taking out the Saints in overtime. Those are among the best of the weekend so far. You can jump in on those or with your questions that emerged out of the weekend. There were strange controversial plays in all four wild card matchups as we look forward to four more compelling matchups this coming weekend. Vikings at Niners, Seahawks at Packers on the NFC side of the bracket, Titans at Ravens, Texans at Chiefs on the AFC side of the bracket. You can jump in with your question, comment, or your vote. What was the best thing you saw what was the worst thing you saw anywhere in the sports universe and what made it that mark is in apex matt is in raleigh you can be next the bucks the celtics the lakers the jazz the rockets the thunder and even the hornets in the nba the capitals and the lightning are both two of the best teams in hockey and victimized your carolina hurricanes over the weekend at pnc arena justin thomas had a nice win on the pga tour among the other best of the weekend nominees 1-800-849-2761 jim zoki on the Panthers in the NFL. One quick thing about coaching carousel and a domino that has fallen as we come back to your calls. Mike McCarthy will become the first person ever to lead the Green Bay Packers and the Dallas Cowboys organizations, not at the same time, of course, but they are two of the most storied franchises in NFL history. And I will have you know that Jerry Jones' time with Jason Garrett included two of the most disappointing postseason defeats of their dec decade together at the hands of dot 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 the Green Bay Packers while led by Mike McCarthy now I don't know Darren Vaught you've told me in the past you don't watch the bachelor or the bachelorette tv shows very often and for the record is this an excuse or an explanation in Eric Montross's <laughs> vocabulary I'm not sure for the record and you can vouch for me on this I probably would not otherwise know how the Bachelor or Bachelorette TV shows work. 
were it not for my wife, the lovely and talented Maria. Yeah, that's probably fair to say. I watch and, a and lot I'm of sports. I'm aware of the concept to, to, to set up whatever you're trying to set up here. I'm aware of the concept, The Bachelor or The Bachelorette. It's just not, uh, not my cup of tea, that, that genre of reality TV. Here's how it works in the Glenn family. Maria has shows that I'm not interested in like certain sci-fi and other things, just not my cup of tea. So she watches them independently. A lot of sports, she couldn't care less. So I'm on my own there. And then we have this overlap. And sometimes I pull her over to the sports world, and she'll watch this or that, Canes hockey, college basketball, even NFL playoffs from time to time. And sometimes she pulls me over to her side, the occasional bachelor or bachelorette. With that in mind, I wonder, when Jerry Jones had a sleepover, Mike McCarthy slept at Jerry Jones's house. Did he, at any point in the negotiations, leave that little key on the table and say, the fantasy suite is open tonight for you and me, big boy. Let's take this relationship to the next level. I know, and if you've seen The Bachelor or The Bachelorette, this is always the case. I know Mike McCarthy, former Packers coach, Super Bowl champion, author of the Packers win over the Cowboys in Dallas in 2016. That, I don't know, I'm not a Cowboys fan, but it's on the short list of their most painful postseason losses with Jerry Jones and Jason Garrett together. It was in Dallas, so the Cowboys had the home field advantage. The Cowboys had plenty of talent, and it was 34-31 Aaron Rodgers and Mike McCarthy stealing the win from the Cowboys right in their hometown. Two years before that, it was 26-21, Packers over Cowboys. At least that one was up in Wisconsin. But Cowboys fans that I know describe that as two of the more disappointing losses. Why? It's one thing to lose when you know you're not good enough. When I saw Carson Wentz injured and out of the game against Seattle, guess what? I knew the Eagles were no longer good enough to beat Russell Wilson and the Seattle Seahawks. All due respect to Josh McCown, who played his heart out and was teary-eyed afterward because a 40-year-old man had never played in a playoff game prior to that unexpected backup role behind the injured Wentz. I thought it was a dirty hit by Jadavian Clowney. He claimed no such intent. There was no flag, and we all move on. It was one of the more controversial uh, flags or non-flags or zebra influences of the weekend. 1-800-849-2761. In The Bachelor and The Bachelorette, Darren, there's always other dudes around, or there are always other women around. And indeed, as we and the sleepover is a real thing. Like Mike McCarthy stayed at Jerry Jones's house this weekend. As in The Bachelor and The Bachelorette, you've got your own chemistry with whomever's seated at that table with you as you're discussing. Is this the night we take our relationship to the next level in the fantasy suite? Jerry Jones knew that Mike McCarthy, seriously, he had interviewed with the Cleveland Browns. And I haven't seen this frequently in my time as a sports media member. The Browns tweet out publicly on their official Twitter account every interview they've had. Like, usually the media is scrounging for insider secret information. The Cleveland Browns, when they interviewed the 49ers defensive coordinator, Robert Saleh, they tweeted it. When they interviewed Mike McCarthy, they tweeted it. When they interviewed Greg Roman, the Ravens offensive coordinator, they tweeted it. And I think just this past week, 
the Panthers and the Browns both interviewed Eric Bieniemy, uh, the Chiefs offensive coordinator. The Browns just tweeted. So, like, we know everybody the Browns have talked to. Others tend to be a little bit more secretive. And where Jerry Jones was reported to have interviewed, I think it was like a dozen candidates, not before hiring Jason Garrett, but I think it was the Wade Phillips hire that preceded Jason Garrett coming a few years later. That's a pretty exhaustive search if you went through a full-scale interview with 12 different people. That's a little bachelor and bachelorette-like, if you will. But even in this capacity, the Giants had spoken to Mike McCarthy. The Panthers, we know, interviewed McCarthy twice. The Browns, we know, interviewed McCarthy. So there's all sorts of women and men whispered in their ear. Did anybody step into Jerry Jones's foyer saying, could I just have one minute with Mike McCarthy? I'm really sorry to interrupt as you guys are discussing the fantasy suite, but I just want to steal him. I just want to steal him for one minute, man, just a minute. I don't think that happened at Jerry Jones's estate, but there was a sleepover. I'm sure any fantasy suite details will remain private forever. But coming out of that, there were media reports in Dallas. When Jerry Jones has somebody stay at his place, he always gets his man. I don't know exactly what that means. I don't know if there's a new reality show coming (laughs) along those lines. I don't know if there was a fantasy suite involved. I don't know the details of the architecture of Jerry Jones's home in the Dallas area. But Mike McCarthy stayed, and man, they were both smiling when they came out of the fantasy suite. Make of that whatever you will. 1-800-849-2761. McCarthy won the Super Bowl with the Packers in, in uh, and since 2006. He has the second most playoff wins in the NFL behind, obviously, that Bill Belichick guy. That's a pretty nice resume. You make the playoffs the overwhelming majority of the time. Some will say it's because of Aaron Rodgers, not Mike McCarthy. But everybody, everybody with an opening was at least preliminarily interested in Mike McCarthy, who sat out this past season while apparently doing a self-study and becoming more engaged in analytics. David Tepper described him, according to sources, as a great combination of old-school principles but a willingness to adopt new-school analytics. And when I heard that, I was like, well, that sounds exactly what David Tepper wanted for his next head coach. Ron Rivera was heavier on the old school discipline and principles, not as much on the new school analytics. Mike McCarthy, maybe he would have been the guy with the Panthers. They will have to look elsewhere. In fact, they're interviewing Matt Rule of Baylor today, apparently. Josh McDaniels of the Patriots later this week. Perry Fuel, the interim head coach, gets an interview this Wednesday, although he is not considered a serious candidate for the job. Vikings offensive coordinator Kevin Stefanski is on the Panthers' radar, but given the fact that the Vikings just beat the Saints, that does kind of complicate your ability to be able to talk to him in the near future. 1-800-849-2761. Mark in Apex, you're next on the David Glenn Show. Welcome to Best and Worst of the Weekend. Go right ahead with your vote or your question or comment. Well, thanks a lot, DG, for taking my call. Sure. Um, first, I, I thought the um, I thought all the games were great this weekend. Agree. That was probably some of the best football I've seen in a long time. Agree, man. And uh, it's the best. I do. I got to give it to the officials for the best. I mean, it's just kind of broad, but I didn't really see any – you know, I saw controversial plays, but I didn't see controversial calls, except for that one you were talking about with the, with the 
The the Vikings yeah, really. one? I mean, being from Philly, I can promise you they consider the Jadavian Clowney helmet-to-helmet hit on Carson Wentz controversial. Uh, but yeah, yeah, if, if yeah. we come out of the weekend, let's see, it was the Vikings winning touchdown catch that the Saints fans are screaming about. It should have been offensive pass interference. Um, yeah, I'd say two or three in, in those four games rise to the level of heavy controversy. Overall, I guess that's more good news than bad if you're the head of officiating. Yeah, and, and, and the other point I, I had, DJ, is that I kind of, I, me personally, I think we need to, to, to look at our overtime, uh, how we do it. Okay. I, I, just, I just love the way college does it in, in that everybody gets the ball one time. And I know with, 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 the, with all the time restraints and all, this, all the things that they have to do to see uh, all the people out there, it's a hurry-up game. That it's hard to do that, but, but I, I just think that it's it's, it's, it's unfair when it's, when the team can't have it. And they forgot to say that that, that, that the Saints would have won that game. They, they, like like the like the one caller said earlier, they had plenty of opportunities. Yeah. Okay. And but I do think there's there's, there's, there's some room there to talk about the, the overtime uh, agenda. But that, that that's the only thing really with the whole thing is that that kind of hurt that. Yorked me a little bit. Yeah, and you know, you probably were happy, what was it, a couple years ago when they changed the overtime rules where, remember, originally, if you got a field goal on your first possession of overtime, it was game over. And there started to be statistics supporting that if you just won the coin toss, you had a significantly better chance of winning in overtime than if you lost the coin toss. And the argument became, well, wait a minute, that's not fair. Why should so much depend on something that is truly a matter of chance, whether it pops up heads or tails. So I was happy that they changed the overtime rules. At least now, the only time you will not get the ball in overtime is if your opponent scores a touchdown on its first possession. And you know what the argument is there. I mean, touchdowns are hard to come by. There weren't many in all four of those wild card games. All four finished with relatively low scores you know, in those four matchups. So the argument goes, well, if you don't want to, if you want to get the ball at least once, don't let somebody run down the field and get a touchdown on you. Uh, this, the Vikings, of course, beat the Saints 26-20 to on that play to Kyle Rudolph, getting that touchdown in overtime and ending the game right there in the moment. Um, you want to see it tweaked even one more time, no matter what, you get at least one possession? Yeah, I just, I just, it's pretty game. It just seems like it's just, it's they're so evenly matched most of the time. That it, would, that it, just, it just seems more fair to me. I mean, I think college has it right, and that you will get the ball one time. Yeah. Now, I, if you, now, now if you don't. I like the NFL way in terms of it looking more like actual football. You know, college is kind of gimmicky. You know, let me give you the ball near near the red zone and see what you can get out of it, and then we go and do the same with your opponent, and then it's back and forth, and at some point you got to go for two. I don't know that it feels arena football like at the college level. It feels more like real football at the pro level. I was glad they tweaked the rule. I'm okay with the current rule, but I hear where you're coming from. I mean, it's no it's no solace to Saints fans who for the third year in a row have to wonder what might have been because of the way their game ended. 1-800-849-2761. Matt in Raleigh, you're next on the David Glenn Show. Go right ahead. Hey, how are you today? Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you, man. What's going on? Uh, not a whole lot. Well, I got the best and the worst of the weekend. I think Eric pretty much summed up the worst of the weekend. So I'm going to let Roy and company take care of that. Got it. Things get better before uh, 
March or April or however far we go. So I have a two-part uh, best of the weekend. One, obviously, as a Cowboy fan, you know I was overly excited to see your boys uh, go down yesterday. No offense um, taken. I get it. It's okay. I'm sure the feeling would be mutual. We were uh, swapping, <laughs> it happens. swapping uh, shoes. It happens. Uh, also, I'm glad this coaching thing's over with, with the Cowboys. We got McCarthy. I don't think it's like the ideal candidate because everyone's hoping for Urban Meyer. But moving on with the, the success he's had in Green Bay, and obviously he's beaten us twice with the Dez thing, and then the Rodgers come back, you know, with them beating us at our place. What do you see him doing for the Cowboys? Moving forward, uh, I don't know the timetable on the contract, but what do you see him doing for us in terms of how soon it could be before we become elite like we were, I know, 24 years ago and getting back to that elusive Super Bowl that awaits us? Well, one thing that I like from the Cowboys' perspective is that they did not go the teach a guy how to become a head coach route. And if I'm in the Cowboys' shoes, I just had a decade of Jason Garrett who, despite having plenty of positive qualities, clearly did not get the Cowboys as far as they should have been able to go. If you had those levels of talent for a full decade, at the very least, you should be knocking on the door of something special. He not only never made a Super Bowl with the Cowboys, he never made the NFC title game. That's embarrassing, given what talent he had on hand, not every year, but a majority of those years. If you hire either a coordinator who's never been a head coach before or let's just say, I mean, for a while, there were a lot of reports. Hey, Oklahoma coach Lincoln Riley may have an itch to scratch at the NFL level. And did you know he already has a personal relationship with Jerry Jones because of some common friends and uh, Jerry Jones's family tree and Lincoln Riley overlapping with son and grandson, et cetera. Like there was some smoke there. And folks wondered, could Lincoln Riley be the guy? Now, I'm a huge Lincoln Riley fan. What he's done at Oklahoma uh, and even prior to that, you know, at ECU, et cetera, is just off the charts fantastic. After Dabo Sweeney and, you know, Nick Saban at Alabama and a very short list of others, Lincoln Riley and what he's done at Oklahoma deserves as much respect as anything we've seen in college football. I know they haven't won it all yet, but what he does with quarterbacks, what he does with trips to the college football playoff, what he does with Big 12 titles frequently, regularly, even what he did with Bob Stoops, you know, as a coordinator before getting that promotion off the charts but if your problem is you know no more Dez but for a while it was Dak Prescott and Ezekiel Elliott and Dez Bryant closer to his prime and Sean Lee and other defensive players and it was like just can't get over the top if you are still kind of in this window they're working on a new deal with Dak Prescott they finally got the new deal done with Ezekiel Elliott they have a phenomenal offensive line most years and it's just like the window is, is slipping away. And if you hired a first-time head coach, even a talented first-time NFL head coach, even someone as talented as Lincoln Riley or one of these coordinators at the NFL level, I think you're not in urgency mode if you go that route. Mike McCarthy knows that he's in urgency mode from d day one. There's no training wheels about, okay, I've been a coordinator, I've run an offense, or I've run a defense – but I've, I've never really had to deal with these CEO-type responsibilities as a head coach. Mike McCarthy knows exactly what that stuff is like. He doesn't know the Jerry Jones twist on such things, and I'm sure he's preparing himself for some headaches since Jerry is known as a mingler and just a meddler as 
he did not have that dynamic to the same extent during all those years in Green Bay. But as he did in Green Bay, he has a talented quarterback, Aaron Rodgers then, Dak Prescott now, and he's being given maybe not a best roster in the NFL, but a top 10 roster in the NFL. I wouldn't want training wheels or growing pains on the new guy if I'm Jerry Jones. And I think hiring a guy who's been there, done that, even with a Super Bowl victory on his resume, that to me is the most positive aspect of the Cowboys hiring of Mike McCarthy. Some say, you know, he doesn't, he doesn't uh, have enough pizzazz. He doesn't fire up the room the way some others uh, have. He's a retread, et cetera. I don't know. I think the pluses outweigh the minuses, including the be, been there, done that part of his resume. Ryan McGee of ESPN on college football, third hour. Jim Zoki of the Panthers. On the Panthers' ongoing coaching search, also third hour, they liked Mike McCarthy a lot, but the Dallas Cowboys got him. Well, where will they turn next? Also, since Eric Montrose mentioned his hockey career, I will briefly share the reality that was a man who turned out to be about a decade-long veteran of the NBA, also a two-time All-American and an NCAA champion under Dean Smith during his time as a four-year player in basketball for the Tar Heels. No hockey on the college or pro resume, best I know, of that Eric Montross guy. A seven-footer on skates? It might have happened. More on that story with more of your calls. What was the best thing you saw? What was the worst thing you saw anywhere in the sports universe over the weekend that was? I'll get you caught up on the coaching searches. More Tua Tungavaloa on his way to the NFL details and more of your best and worst of the weekend. Where do the Wolfpack and Tar Heels go from here in college basketball? And how about the nice wins of Duke at Miami, Wake at Pittsburgh, Florida State, UVA, Notre Dame also had some nice wins in conference play you can jump in with your question comment or vote by dialing 1-800-849-2761 on the david glenn show he's the uva head basketball coach tony bennett you always believed in us i guess you were the wind beneath our wings there you go how's that <laughs> do we but, have uh, background music that's for that? right that's Bette Midler. there we go keep it right here on the david glenn show to the David Glenn Show. We do have lines open for the first time in a long time. If you'd like to chime in, question or comment about the events of the weekend or your vote, best or worst of the weekend, Deshaun Watson and the Texans, Derrick Henry and the Titans, Russell Wilson, DK Metcalf and the Seahawks, Dalvin Cook, Kirk Cousins and the Vikings, all getting a lot of best of the weekend love and deservedly so in the NFL. Even as we continue to monitor the coaching carousel, the Cowboys had only two interviews and it kind of underlined what I said before the break. Jerry Jones' mindset was that even if he was intrigued by a coordinator or intrigued by Oklahoma's Lincoln Riley or another college head coach, he didn't want training wheels. He didn't want to have to explain how stuff works as a pro-level CEO and head coach. Only two interviews fit a very similar description, right? Former Packers head coach Mike McCarthy, former Bengals head coach Marvin Lewis. 
Those guys spent more than a decade in the NFL as head coaches. They both had significant success in a lot of playoff trips. The big difference, remember, Marvin Lewis, zero postseason success. And it's not a slight difference. Mike McCarthy, since 2006, which was his first year as the head coach of the Green Bay Packers, in that time frame, and remember he sat out last year, so he missed an opportunity to add to this, only Bill Belichick has more postseason NFL wins since 2006 than Mike McCarthy does. As the Cowboys went for the proven head coaches, others would call them retreads. Jerry Jones sees Mike McCarthy as something more impressive than that. The Panthers are interviewing Baylor's Matt Rule today, Eric Bieniemy of the Chiefs last week, their offensive coordinator. Mike McCarthy, of course, no longer an option, was interviewed twice last week. Josh McDaniels of the Patriots is expected to talk to David Tepper later this week. Interim head coach Perry Fuel is expected to be interviewed Wednesday of this week, although he's not considered a serious candidate for the job. He is also the only guy with a defensive resume among these guys. Almost all of the others are offensive-oriented coaches. Vikings offensive coordinator Kevin Stefanski is also on David Tepper's radar as the Giants supposedly are focused on Matt Rule of Baylor, as Washington, of course, has hired Ron Rivera, and the Cowboys are about to make it official with Mike McCarthy, the only other opening is that of the Cleveland Browns. They've interviewed four guys, again, including McCarthy, no longer an option. They hope to talk this week or soon with Josh McDaniels of the Patriots and also Brian Dable of the Buffalo Bills. The Bills, like the Patriots, lost this weekend. So what would have been hard conversations are easier to have now that those guys' seasons have ended. 1-800-849-2761. Quickly on college basketball, and we'll get back to your phone calls. Whether you're trying to understand NC State's ugly loss at Clemson, North Carolina's even uglier loss against Georgia Tech in Chapel Hill. Tar Heels fall to 8-6, and six, and they've just been a flat-out bad basketball team since their star freshman point guard, Cole Anthony, had to have that knee surgery. He is expected back by the end of January at the latest. With him, they beat a top-10 caliber Oregon team. They have other solid wins over Alabama and Notre Dame. Without him, they lost at home to Wofford of the Southern Conference, and they just lost at home to a Georgia Tech team that's probably going to finish in the bottom third of the Atlantic Coast Conference. It's, those are two ugly home losses, and this past one was 96-83 to 83 to the Yellow Jackets, who are not the most talented offensive team. They're actually pretty decent defensively under Josh Pastner, not all that pretty offensively, and they just annihilated the Tar Heels right in front of the fans there at the Smith Center. Whether you're trying to understand those debacles or Duke has been just crushing people. They annihilated Boston College at Cameron this weekend. They annihilated the Hurricanes at Miami. Wake Forest won at Pitt. That's not exactly, you know, world-shattering, but it's a nice win against another ACC middleweight. Danny Manning, remember, beat Xavier earlier this year, so he has a nice conference accomplishment to go with a nice non-conference accomplishment. Even Florida State beating Louisville or Virginia knocking off rival Virginia Tech. Uh, Notre Dame beating Syracuse. I know this sounds oversimplified, but seriously, it boils down to talent. I just want everybody to picture going to the local YMCA, and healthy, eligible ACC players are everywhere we look. And, Darren, you and I are playing, you know, shirts and skins or whatever. Since you're younger and more handsome, we'll let you be the, 
the uh, skins. I'll, I'll make my <laughs> sure. team leave our shirts on just to, for ratings purposes. You know, we don't want to scare anybody away. But we're in there. Now, you got to put out maybe Cole Anthony of Carolina is there in dress clothes. But he's not available for a while, right? So he is not available as you and I. You've been to the playground or wherever. It's you get a pick, and then I guess sometimes you go ladder style, right? You get one, then I get the next two, and then what? You get the next two? I don't know how the kids do it these days. Less common. I would say it's really one, just one, a straight one, 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 one back right. and forth. Yeah. Here's the reality. No matter what you're trying to understand, when State goes to Clemson and State is missing its best player, C.J. Bryce this year is their best player, and it ain't close. As long as Markel Johnson can't hit the ocean from the beach, from the free throw line or the three-point line, he's not the Wolfpack's best player. And as long as D.J. Funderburk, who's also very talented, like Markel, is coming off the bench and playing 20 or so minutes a game, he's not their best player. you got to play more minutes than that for me to give you that label. C.J. Bryce has had an all-ACC season. You can check out my power rankings at accsports.com and my midseason awards, including C.J. Bryce on my all-ACC team at The Athletic Carolina. C.J. is in street close. He didn't play for State at Clemson. Cole Anthony didn't play for the Tar Heels against Georgia Tech, right? So put him in street clothes as well. Any other Tar Heels, right? Sterling Manley and now Anthony Harris. Everybody's wearing street clothes. When it's our secondary player, it's not the end of the world. When it's your best player, C.J. Bryce at Clemson, Cole Anthony as the Tar Heels lacked him again, hosting Georgia Tech, it's not a little thing. When you and I walk into the YMCA, man, Cole Anthony's on our mind. C.J. Bryce is on our mind when we step into the building. They were both on my second team All-ACC team, meaning two of the top ten players in the entire league. So when you and I step into the YMCA, CJ's our first Wolfpack guy on our mind, again, this year to this point. Cole's our first Tar Heel guy on our mind. And we're going to be picking Vernon. This is, you know, why is Coach K have the number two team in the nation? A lot of different reasons. But Vernon Carey is a really good candidate for number one overall. I mean, I don't know. Let's see. Who gets to pick first, shirts or skins, young guy or old guy? <laughs> I don't know. But – it would be a tactical pick, like maybe you just have something in mind position-wise. Whatever it is, the best players in this league start with Vernon Carey Jr. Now, maybe you just don't want a center or you're thinking ball handler or whatever. There's always that wrinkle. But I'm promising you, Vernon Carey's going early. Oh, and Louisville's in the national top ten. Guess what? Jordan Wara of Louisville is going to be among the first small handful of picks. And, oh, UVA's good again. Mamadi Diakite is going to be among the first handful of picks. Why is Coach K number two and I would say has the ACC championship favorite and one of the NCAA title contenders, right? One of a half a dozen best shots at winning it all. Coach K would be number six. Why is he in that rarefied air in the 15-team ACC? Because three of his dudes at least – would be picked by one of us early in that shirts versus skins game. Vernon Carey's coming off the board really quickly. Trey Jones, the first time one of us wants a point guard, 15 teams. That's what, 30 or more point guards to choose from. Trey Jones is going to be the first point guard. You might, whatever, make an argument for Cole Anthony when he's healthy. He's not. He's not healthy. 
So Vernon carries an early pick. Trey Jones is an early pick. Are you intrigued by Cassius Stanley? He would be on my all-freshman team. And, you know, Matthew Hurt is not too, too far behind. That's four Blue Devils that by the time we're done picking shirts versus skins, that's at least four Devils who are going to hear their names called. Who else has stars? Well, Chris Mack has one in Jordan Wara at Louisville. Jim Beheim actually has one in Elijah Hughes at Syracuse. If you haven't seen him play, dial him up. I know this hurts for our listeners in Eastern North Carolina to hear, but he's a former ECU player who is now going to probably be a first-team All-ACC player for Jim Beheim at Syracuse. That hurts to hear, given what Coach Dooley is trying to build at ECU. Would have been nice if he was helping the Pirates instead of helping the Syracuse Orange. Uh, Tony Bennett has all sorts of growing pains at UVA, but he's got Mamadi Diakite at his, as his rock, and at some point, you or I are going to pick a Kihei Clark at point guard or a Jay Huff in the post. Ain't going to be a lot of Tar Heels mentioned, right? And aren't going to be a lot of Wolfpack players mentioned either. We're getting, we're going to pick four Duke players. We're going to pick Jordan Wara and probably Stephen Enoch in the post and maybe a Dwayne Sutton on the wing. Those are three Louisville guys. We're going to pick some combination. You need a shooter? How about Buddy Bayheim of Syracuse? Think he can fill it up from the perimeter? The kid Joe Girard looks pretty good as a freshman point guard. And Elijah Hughes. And Merrick Dolajai, right? There might be four Syracuse dudes off the board by the time we pick not our first Tar Heel or Wolfpack player, but by the time we get to three or four Wolfpack or Tar Heel players, these injuries matter, folks. And again, call them excuses if you want. Call them explanations if you'd rather. State lost at Clemson in part because it's not very good at defense, and that's a Kevin Keats thing, but in part because it was missing its best player, C.J. Bryce, who had a pre-game incident, weirdest concussion symptoms I've ever heard of, like while warming up for the Pac's previous game, he had to be yanked from the rotation because he got hit in the head somehow. The Tar Heels without Cole Anthony are an ordinary basketball team. The Wolfpack without... C.J. Bryce are an ordinary by ACC standards looking basketball team. With those guys, they are both NCAA tournament caliber teams, I still believe. But I just gave you four Duke players that we're going to pick at the YMCA. I gave you four Syracuse players, and Syracuse is kind of a middle-of-the-pack team. John Mooney is the star for Notre Dame, and he's playing. Devin Vassell and Trent Forrest as returning players, just went to Louisville and helped the Seminoles take out a top-10 Cardinals team. Leonard Hamilton's got some tools in the toolbox there, and they're healthy, and they're playing. You know, Virginia Tech's success story, they've got a young star named Landers Nolly. You know, it helps explain Mike Young as the midseason ACC Coach of the Year and that kind of surpri- biggest surprise team-wise in the ACC so far. It doesn't explain everything. You know, Kevin Keats is responsible for the Wolfpack getting better on defense. Roy Williams is responsible for figuring out why he's not connecting with his players. Man, he sounded disconsolate over the weekend. Like, as, and he said, as frustrated as he's ever been as a head coach. That's on him to figure that part out. But they don't have magic wands. Kevin Keats doesn't have a magic wand to say C.J. Bryce is going to be on this road trip to Clemson. Roy Williams doesn't do knee surgery for Cole Anthony so that he comes back a little quicker. It just doesn't work that way. And these are flawed teams 
that while fully healthy with all bodies, you know, all hands on deck, deck as the saying goes, they're both NCAA tournament caliber. The longer guys like Bryce, the pack's best player, and Anthony, the Tar Heels' best player, I'd argue by far in both cases, the longer your best player is out, the longer your season is in jeopardy. These other teams I'm talking about that either are locks for the NCAA tournament, Duke, Louisville, Florida State, UVA. That's about where the locks end for in the 15-team ACC. Are there another eight where there are scenarios you could build yourself into an NCAA caliber team? Yes, there are, including the Wolfpack and the Tar Heels. But neither of those two has so much talent that it's just going to be business as usual while their best player is in street clothes on the on the sidelines. 1-800-849-2761. Joe in Winston-Salem will be next on the other side. Eric Montross as a seven-foot-tall ice hockey player. That dream that I learned more about last night at PNC Arena. Those details on the other side. Ryan McGee live on college football in 20 minutes. Tua Tungavailoa is leaving Alabama for the NFL. Jim Zoki of the Panthers on where David Tepper goes from here now that one of his targets, Mike McCarthy, has signed with the Dallas Cowboys instead. You can be next at 1-800-849-2761. Glad you're with us on the David Glenn Show. I made a reference to Mike Krzyzewski of Duke and his GOAT status. And I kid you not, I got angry emails. If I really wanted to insult somebody, I would include some kind of sentence about being in the leaping prairie chewing on grass. This is The David Glenn Show. Welcome back to the David Glenn Show. Bonus points. Give yourself a raise, Darren. Anytime you bump with ACDC, that brings a smile to my face. 1-800-849-2761. We are playing best and worst of the weekend. We do have Ryan McGee on LSU versus Clemson. That is one week from tonight. Who has the real Death Valley? The Tigers or the Tigers both call their football stadiums that. Of course, neutral site. That's in air quotes as Clemson has to kind of, sort of, but not exactly visit LSU a week from tonight. Jim Zoki on the Panthers' ongoing coaching search. One of David Tepper's targets is in the process of signing with those Dallas Cowboys instead. As we go to Joe in Winston-Salem and you, 1-800-849-2761. Darren, extending the YMCA analogy, Jose Alvarado, the Georgia Tech point guard, and his sidekick, Michael DeVoe, and their big guy, James Banks, all would be selected at our hypothetical YMCA shirts versus skins game before the third Tar Heel was, was selected. So one of us would take Harrison Brooks. One of us eventually would take the freshman big man, Armando Baycott. He's got a long way to go, but there's enough talent there. You'd build a 13-man roster, and I'd build a 13-man roster at this theoretical YMCA stage with every player healthy, every healthy player from every ACC basketball roster available, We'd fill two entire rosters, and at most, two Tar Heels would be picked. There are at least three Yellow Jackets we would pick first. There are several players from other middling ACC teams that we would pick first. That's just the reality in Chapel Hill right now. Speaking of Chapel Hill, here's the quick Eric Montross story, and then Joe in Winston-Salem plays best and worst of the weekend. Eric Montross spent about a year in the NBA. He is seven feet tall. He was an All-American twice, an NCAA champion for Dean Smith during his four years with the Tar Heels at the college level. He grew up in Indiana, where a lot of people play ice hockey. He was not just a basketball player as a youngster. 
He was a hockey player. In fact, I learned last night as Eric and his son Andrew enjoyed the Canes game from my on-the-glass seats as the Lightning beat the Hurricanes. I learned that while playing basketball and eventually becoming a prep All-American, he played ice hockey. And Eric Matras played ice hockey not just as a little aside, but for seven years in a row. Care to guess why he had to end his ice hockey career, Darren? Have you ever put on skates yourself? You know what I have to ask for? Sir, you got a, you got a size 10 back there? I'm not sure, Mr. Glenn. I've got 72 variations of size 10 because lots of dudes are six feet tall and lots of dudes have size 10 feet. If you're Eric Montross, as you're growing into a prep All-American basketball <laughs> player, like size 20? seriously, I, he, I didn't ask that. That's a good – I should have asked. Where was the journalist in me? Maybe I was enjoying a beer. <laughs> when I'm drinking a beer, Darren, the journalist is unplugged entirely. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I don't know the number, but I do know that nobody – makes publicly available ice skates at the size foot that Eric Montross had <laughs> seven years into his ice hockey career. A quick follow-up and a postscript note. While he was with the Toronto Raptors at the end of his decade in the NBA, and of course that's a big hockey town. Maple Leafs are the talk of the town always. The Raptors back then were the uniform that Big E wore at the NBA level. They found a custom-made ice skate that fit Eric Matras. So after however many decades since his childhood ice hockey dream died, the Raptors went out and got him ice skates, but his professional foot problems were so severe that he couldn't really enjoy them the way he wanted to at that stage of his career. Joe in Winston-Salem, you're next up on Best and Worst of the Weekend. Go right ahead. Yeah, I think uh, I got the best and the worst in the NFL. I think Derrick Henry was fantastic. He reminded me of Earl Campbell the way he ran, and, you know, I don't think Tennessee has much of a chance of going to Super Bowl, Agreed. but if they have a chance, if he has an awesome game. And Ryan anytime. Tannehill was great all year long. He wasn't as great against the Patriots, but if you put up 182 yards and a touchdown, as Derrick Henry did, against a defense that was setting records all year long, the New England Patriots, you are absolutely a best of the weekend, and doing it to the Patriots in Foxborough makes it that much better. Yeah, and the worst is that hit. I'm not a I'm not a Philadelphia uh, fan, but I think I mean they've got the replay. It was he was already mostly down. All all the touch him. It was an obvious helmet to helmet. If they you know sometimes they call them where it's not obvious. Right. But this was obvious. I agree I with you. I knew, I knew I was going to be called a whiny Eagles fan today if I said this, so I'm glad <laughs> Joe and Winston-Salem said it for me. Here's the bottom line. Even if you agree, as the referee said after the game, hey, Carson Wentz had given himself up, and that was one reason they didn't throw the flag. There is a helmet rule where if you lower your helmet to initiate forcible contact on an opposing player, it's a flag. And Jadavian Clowney lowered his head to initiate forcible contact. Carson Wentz's head slammed against the turf, and he left the game for concussion symptoms. That's not incidental contact. So we live, we learn. They didn't try to make a mistake, but I do think they did. We're back after this. Dean in Wilmington, you're up on the David Glenn Show. The NCAA book on violations is so sick Superman has trouble carrying. This is true. You know? However, it's not buried into the small print in the back that you're oh, not yeah. allowed to drive luxury cars that aren't yours. Okay? <laughs> Keep it here on the David Glenn Show. Two great guests in our third hour, led by Ryan McGee of ESPN. Who has the real Death Valley, Clemson or LSU? We'll talk national championship, Tua, and more with Ryan next. 
Mike Krzyzewski joining us. We asked folks you work with at Duke if you've changed or mellowed over the years. Well, you know, mellow is having a glass of wine and looking over, you know, the sunset, you know. <laughs> uh, I don't see how you can be mellow and coach a game. That can't happen. If it does, then you shouldn't be coaching. Keep it here on the David Glenn Show.